Welcome to the Celtics Rewind. I'm JP. And I am Master GM. What's up, y'all? Hey, 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 Celtic fans. This is episode 10 of Celtics Rewind, talking all things Boston Celtics. Hopefully, everyone had a Merry Christmas and a great New Year. I'm JP, the franchise, and look who is back. <laughs> she is back after one episode. Uh, Nat, the GM. <laughs> What's up, Nat? How you I'm doing? I'm feeling good, you know, when you're number one and, you know, the you know the whole NBA. How can you not feel great? Amen to that. And we got a special, special guest, man. Uh, ever since I worked for Off the Ball Network, uh, my friend, uh, Don Kyle, shout out to him, New York Knicks fan. He was like, yo, check out this guy on uh Twitter, he does who spaces and everything. I said, Yeah, let me go ahead and check him out. So ever since I checked this dude out, man, he he's a 76ers fan, so I, I don't like him, obviously, because he's a 76ers fan. But he does uh give great analysis, great breakdowns, very knowledgeable of the game. Started out in Clubhouse and now he is on, you know, he was with Amazon and now he's with Playback now. He is called Who Spaces. He's the co-founder of Who Spaces, Mr. Chris. What is up, Chris? How you doing? Uh, what's up, JP? What's not? Uh, nah, I'm happy to be here on episode 10 of the Celtics Rewind. And, and like full disclosure, I was supposed to be here earlier. I was sick and I apologize, man. But I appreciate you guys making room for me uh, coming back to, to big up a team I hate. The Celtics, like I gotta big them up. Y'all doing great. I hate them. I hate you right now because you are a Celtics fan. But hey, you know what? Uh, I love the game of basketball. What they're doing is is absolutely phenomenal this year. So I'm happy to be here to talk about it. Uh, thank you for coming. Amen. To thank you for uh, thank you for coming. As you, we have the best record in the NBA at 26 and six. Uh, the past five games, we've been 5-0. and um, We finished out the West Coast field trip. Uh, we started off um, against uh, Golden State and lost, and then we went to Sacramento and beat them. So now we are going against the Clippers, and then we had the Los Angeles Lakers on Christmas, a very early Christmas present for me, as you see the Celtics gear that I got for Christmas getting prepared against the Lakers. So going um, against the Clippers, that was a really great performance by the Boston Celtics uh, beating the Clippers really badly too, 145 to 108 and then we kept our momentum against the Los Angeles Lakers with an incredible first quarter and then after it was just kind of just up and down a little bit though but we still defeated the Los Angeles Lakers 126 to 115 uh, so we were 23 and 6 right there and uh, finish out uh, two West Coast uh, trips uh, with the 2-0 record. Um, so, Chris, so let me start off with you. What's your takeaways um, with the Celtics beating the Clippers and also against the Los Angeles Lakers? I mean, I, I, I would actually even extend it to Sacramento. So, like, they did uh, the, the ultimate California road trip. And and for those who've never never covered it, I, I've actually done that that as a travel spurt and it's rough you get into sacramento and and at least it's a better arena now you used to have to go to arco uh and and it's like you got to find the practice facility to go ahead and run your team walkthrough in 
get into the, the arena early, but, you know, the home team gets a lot of the bulk of the time, so you don't really get a lot of work in on the road like this. Um, so they they actually started putting in their game plan, and you could see it uh, in, in the Orlando week as well. And they actually got in a couple of extra walkthroughs uh, in Boston before they head out. And then what I think ended up happening is is they just simply blitzed Sacramento and carried that momentum uh, and that was a really good job by Coach Joe Bozul and the staff to keep him locked in. Uh, carried it into the game against the Clippers. Uh, I think they punched the Clippers in the mouth and the Clippers just couldn't recover. Uh, and also the Clippers had just been getting home. It's around the holidays. So it was a really good trap game for them, so to speak. But the Celtics walked in and, and did their job superbly. A uh, big, big shout out, though, really, to Namus Quaid getting those 12 boards. Jason Tater coming through with another 30 spot. Uh, and then you hit up L.A. with the early Christmas matchup. And again, this is your third game on five days on a West Coast swing in the middle of the holidays. You've got family at your regular house with your kids and your wife. Uh, you've got, you know, your extended family always hitting you up for what we're doing now. And they were really locked in. Uh, they, they had a couple of moments where the Lakers are trying to push back. But you saw them really kind of key in on what's making makes this Celtics team better than the last three years. And that's uh, institutional understanding and confidence on defense and as a team. Uh, and they really just, they, they locked in. They weren't hitting some of their shots and they just ratcheted up the defense that much more and, and walked out a great West Coast win. Uh, and I think it showed also in the following couple of games when they got home uh, and kind of let the gas off. Uh, but they really were locked in. Very impressive to go through sack uh, L.A. twice and come out 3-0. and uh, Nat, same question to you. What's some other takeaways that you've seen um, that the Celtics did against the Clippers and the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, I'll also extend it. Um, Boston is just not going to be Golden State. <clears throat> um, because they lost that game to Golden State. And I was just like, okay, I knew that was the one they were going to lose. It's just something about Golden State that they just, they're always going to struggle with. Then they move on and they play, you know, you got Sacramento, um, great game. And the, the reason why I like that game so much is there was no Jason Tatum. You know, uh, there was no Jason Tatum. So they ha you have to get points somewhere else. Guys have to do more and more they did, you know, in that game, Christoph Porzingis, I would, you know, we'll, we'll get into a little, uh, in a little bit, but 24, nine and two with six blocks. Six blocks. He was he's on on both ends of the floor. You have not seen Christoph Porzingis play uh like he has with the Boston Celtics. Just tremendous basketball he's playing. Uh Jalen Brown steps up with six assists, five rebounds, twenty-eight points. And then Derek White, twenty-eight points, two rebounds, seven assists, three blocks. You know, and then you go to the bench, Peyton Pritchard, twenty points. Guys are picking each other up, you know, um, and then a quiet, quiet, quiet Drew Holiday, um, 21, 8 and 10 with two steals. Those are great numbers. Too shy of a triple double. You know, they're they're figuring it out, you know, and they're winning differently than they were last year and the year before. And this is probably why this is my favorite Celtics team in, in over a decade. I'll be honest. Um it's not just about, okay, if we don't hit 50% of our threes, we're not winning the game. 
Now it's okay. The threes aren't falling. We can do something else. We do have a Kristaps Porzingis that we can go into, you know, into and, and give him the ball and let him work or play through him. You know, um, we have a guy in Drew Holiday that is not focused on taking a bunch of threes. He's focused on getting the Jays going and getting Kristaps going and then guarding, you know, on the perimeter. And he's, he's, he's a utility guy. Whatever you need me to do is what I'm going to do. This is a different team. And that's also what you saw in the game versus uh, the Lakers. You know, um, the Lakers are a really good defensive team. They have the, a good personnel for a good defensive team. Uh, I'll, I'll take that back. Good personnel, actually. Um, sometimes they don't always put it together. They have these good spurts and then something happens. But what I loved about that game specifically, the, the Lakers caught back up. And you thought that they were going to go on a run and Boston was going to lose momentum. They settled down. They locked in defensively. They made LeBron have a tough game. LeBron didn't have a good game. And they took other guys out of it. And then they go and they close it out. So this has just been uh, a great 30 to what, 32 games uh, for Boston. And it's probably the best 32 game start uh, that they've had in, in, a, in some years because they've won in every single possible fashion you can think of. Not not shooting well, grind out, close, OT, you know, blowouts. They've done it all, and they've done it all to great teams, bad teams, and mid-teams. So, great stretch right now. Definitely facts right there. And for all the LeBron fans, he did not have a good game. I've been trying to tell y'all on X, he did not have a great game. I am tired of all the LeBron fans out there saying, oh, he played well. No, he did not play well. He did not play well. So stop it, LeBron fans. Stop it. But this shout out to AD with the 40 points too as well. Now, in terms of the turnovers, um, we did a really good job of controlling the ball in terms of not turning the ball over as much and everything. So shout out to the Boston Celtics. And speaking of OT, like you said, Nat, unfortunately we have to go into this next game. And mm -hmm. this is one of the games that I did a watch party, uh, Who Spaces watch party. Thank you so much, Chris. And watching this game, especially in that first half, I just want to just go and just break my TV in half because that was just, I don't know how to describe it. But the second half, it was just like, you have like makeup on, you know, it's like without makeup, it looks horrible. And then with makeup, it looks good. So the Detroit Pistons, they survived 128 to 122 in overtime, uh, 24 and six record. And no Jalen Brown, because remember against the Laker game, him and LeBron collided, mm -hmm. uh, I think in the second quarter, and he had a lower back strain too as well. Yeah. So Chris, you could go ahead and take it away because this was very controversial in terms of your uh, post that you posted about this game where the Boston Celtics took too many threes and the Boston Celtic journalists and media went at your ass. So uh, go ahead and take it away with your takeaways and tell us about this first half that Boston shot too many threes. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's really, it's really my biggest fear for the Boston Celtics objectively is they have a, a propensity to really double down on Joe Mazzula's love for the three. And I understand the analytics behind it. I understand the increasing of uh, space that allows for the opportunities uh, to drive. Like, I, I get it. But in the first half, when none of the shots are falling, 
mm-hmm. you have Kate Cunningham guarding Kristaps Porzingis in the high post, you could probably pass the ball to Kristaps Porzingis in the high post and have him mm-hmm. work Kate Cunningham down into the low post where he could just do a simple hook shot. And what ends mm-hmm. up happening there is the traditional sense of spacing naturally forms because the defense has to collapse. Because remember, they didn't have any big other than Jalen Duran really available. Like James Wiseman only got 13 minutes, guys. Mm-hmm. That was it. So at, at, if you put Duran on KP, which is what they did opening up in the first quarter when uh, everybody went cold because Detroit blitzed the, the perimeter, you have a six foot ten Jason Tatum who's continually put on, you know, Kevin Knox or, or, Bo, or Bohan Bogdanovich, who is eight years his senior and 20 years senior his athlete. And you couldn't get him on the post, not to even really make a post play to score, but to manipulate the offense to recenter and reopen up the spacing you need for the threes. And then the, the, the coup de grace or the coup de grace of it was in the second half. That's exactly what they did in, in order to stave off the sustained run in the third quarter. They played in the post. And what happened? The shots started falling because they were able to get easy buckets against K with KP. They were able to get Jason Tatum coming in for a floater. Uh, he even did the, the other shot that I dislike of him when he runs in and does this really st- wonky step back fade and I'm sitting here like you're you're five inches taller than the guy guarding you please just do the KD rise up and and nail this jumper because you're that good and that's what they did um and then on top of that we do I do want to give you know a shout out to Al Horford um didn't really blow up the box score but like he gave 37 minutes of perfect veteran basketball like you'll hear Jamal Crawford say veterans matter like this was a game that shows it because Al Horford was in the ear of every player getting them calm keeping them locked in keeping the emotions under control and to be honest that's really what saved the Celtics that game because without him like I don't think you sustain that type of offensive shift in the second half because again Tatum and Brown one of the one of the biggest fears I have objectively is they will they will fall back and settle for these threes and long range twos, which is what they've done the last three years. Just look at the playoff. That's it. That's all I said. I'll be quiet now, you Boston Celtics, um, you know, diehards who just don't like my opinion because I'm not one of them. I, I, I understand. I mean, okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> hey, Nat, uh, go ahead with the same takeaways, too, as well, that you got against the Pistons. And then talk about just how the Celtics just could not rebound against the, the Detroit because getting out rebounded pretty badly, you know, 57 to 43. That was really bad. Yeah. So when it comes to that game, I think we were, a lot of us were all Detroit fans. I actually was hoping Detroit won that game. Um, I was like, this would be a great game, you know, for them. I'm not a hater. I just, you know, they're not going to be in the play-in. They're not going to be in the playoffs. You know, like, why not? Why not get? I love the charity aspect. 
not charity, yeah. but like, I'm why with- not get a good win out of Boston? Like from Boston, I was like, shit, I hope they win. You know, um, so I was watching it in Boston. You know, uh, you know they're shooting eleven of thirty nine from three. I said, okay, this might be the game that they give up, and you know, um, Detroit wins. You know, and then I look and they Boston. They just it was like they were playing with them. Like, all right, you know, we're we're gonna you can we're gonna let you tie it, and then we're gonna like pull away again and. And, and, you know, we're going to keep hitting these clutch shots. And they just kind of kept going, you know. Um, I thought Boston would lose this game because, you know, Detroit shot 32% from three. I think Boston shot 28%. 28% from three is terrible, um, if, if anyone didn't know that. You know, um, the free throws, 21-25, but they shot 25 of them. You know, Detroit shot 19. Um, and then you talk about, you know, the steals. Boston had 10 to their seven. Uh, even at four with block shots, 12 turnovers to their 18. So you could see why Boston, you know, was able to, you know, still escape with that kind of win. And then they committed 15 personal fouls to their 21. Um, number one, Detroit has some very good players. Uh, very, very good. They are, to me, they are must-watch TV. If if you If they're completely healthy and everyone is able to play, watch them. They are must-watch TV. Um, and I think that, you know, get a couple more guys, maybe a couple more vets, and you're going to start to see in a couple of years as things are going to turn around, you know, for those guys because they are really good. Um, they they weren't afraid of the moment. They're just young, and there's nothing you can do about that. You know, you can't, you know, you can't teach experience. You just have to go through it, you know. Um, but nonetheless, it was just a great grind-out game for Boston. You know, it was a game. There's at least, I can say, Seven to eight games Boston would have lost last year, you know, and I guarantee you they would have lost it. I can, and we can all pinpoint what what those games are, you know. But they didn't. This was one. This was one that they would have lost by ten last year, and they didn't. They won by six, you know. And it's because they're not getting frazzled like they were the last two seasons. You can see the desperation. You know, well, we don't have anything else, so we got to shoot these threes and take on with the threes. If they miss the shot, they never get rattled. They know that they have another possession and the next possession and the next possession and clean it up, and that's how they've been playing ball. So it, it was honestly a, another ugly great win, on it, you know, honestly. So it was a fun game. Uh, it went back and forth. Great OT win, and honestly, I'm very proud of them for being able to win ugly. Everything's not going to be pretty. You're not always going to shoot 50% from the field. You're not always going to shoot 48% from three. You know, there's going to be those games where you have to figure out how to win at 25% from three. And, you know, they shot 28% and they figured it out. So uh, still uh, ugly great game is what I'll call it. Is Derek White the most clutch player on the Boston Celtics? Because I've been saying that Derek White, if it wasn't for like shots that he made in late game situations or defense or free throw shooting, Boston Celtics could have been like losing a couple more games and stuff than what we have been. So is he the most clutch player on the Boston Celtics right now? Um, No, he's not. Uh, What you're seeing from Derek White is you too would be able to be uh, useful if, you know, you are an NBA player if you're playing alongside Jason Tatum, who garners all the attention, 
Second, who garners all the attention is Jalen Brown. And then third is Christoph Porzingis. So you are the fourth guy or the fifth guy on most nights. Of course, you you would be able to do what a lot of what Derek White is doing, you know, and there's a, there's a less pressure on him. You know, what would Derek White be if he had to be the wing, if he had to be the wingman, if he had to be the number two? You know, then now you're looking at a guy who you're going to he's going to stumble. So what you're seeing is he's in the perfect position for his skill set. You know, so don't think too much of it, but don't think too little of it. He's just doing exactly what uh, his skill set provides on this particular team. And he's playing great. You know, you still got to play well and he's still doing that. But um, don't don't take it for granted that Jason Tatum is still a big part of why they are able to do what they do on a night in and night out basis because the attention is on Jason Tatum. I, if I if I start, if I make Jason Tatum stumble, I got to make somebody else beat me. The problem is they have four other guys that can beat you, you know, now, you know, so it's still Jason Tatum number one. And what about you, Chris? Is Derek White the most clutch player on the Boston Celtics right now? Uh, no, and and I have a different answer than that. Um, I believe the most clutch player is Al Horford. Um, I think Al Horford gets very little credit for what he's getting paid to do in these moments. Like, maybe Derek White hits the shot, but if you look at the amount of work Al Horford does to sacrifice any amount of game that he has to ensure that Derek White is in the perfect position by making the extra pass to reset the offense, which, by the way, like, that's his – he is Mr. Bailout for the Celtics. Like, mm-hmm. Jay, I've seen Jason Tatum go up enough and then hit Al Horford with the crap pass playing hot potato, and then Al Horford gets one of these assists to Derek White, who's wide open because his man is dropping in on Al Horford as Al Horford's man is reacting and doubling on the drive. So, like, there's this there's a level of cerebral play that just isn't really given a lot of uh, credence. Um, I would say this, though. I think Derek White is arguably your most consistent player. And, and I think mm-hmm. sometimes that also doesn't get the same amount of respect that it does. And and eventually the consistency leads to clutchness. And like that's what mm-hmm. we're seeing. But in this instance, like you could compare it to Kerr or Paxson, you know, or Elo in Cleveland back in the eighties, or you can go into the nineties and you can look at some of the guys who would hit like Del Curry for Charlotte, but it's still a facsimile of the team and he just doing his job, which again is what he's being paid to do, and he's doing it exemplarily. I just think that, you know, I would put Horford as more clutch. And in the clutch moments, Tatum's getting the ball more anyway. So he's, by technical definition of usage, is your Mr. Clutch. But shout out Big Al. Still love him. No, I love that answer. Um, Also, when you you think about it um, with Boston, the addition of Christoph Porzingis allows Horford to preserve, you know, his 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 game and his clutchness. You know, Horford is definitely very clutch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He you doesn't don't want to play thirty-seven minutes this early, though. Like, I mean, he, he is, he's he's playing minutes, man. But this is the thing: Al Horford does not have to be relied upon in that starting lineup like he was 
for 82 games, yes. sir, we need you to show up. Because why? We don't have anybody <laughs> else. So we need you to come out here and, and do your thing. Um, and that was killing us because one minute, you know, Al Horford's looking like the best thing since sliced bread. Like, man, give this man $40 million. And then he goes on these stretches where age catches up and he can't do everything. You know, so... I think that him coming off the bench, you know, for the majority of these games is great for him. You know, it's like, come, come, come on, um, come off the bench and give us that spark, like level us out, you know, like lead, lead, you know, cause he's still a leader, you know, because he's the, the oldest guy on the team. So I think that that definitely helps uh, what Al Horford brings, but I can honestly say I'm very happy that he is not starting like he was the last few years because you tired him out by the playoffs and then we are just looking crazy, you know, but by, by that time, by the third round, we, we just don't have it, you know, and, and, and that was a problem. Great answers. And then shout out to Dev White Shoes too as well. Uh, fun fact, Dev White changes shoes after halftime. First half with, I don't remember what pair of shoes he had in the first half, but he only had two points and two turnovers with negative 16. And then in the second half, he changes shoes, 11 points, one block, plus 17 in the second half and unbelievable in overtime too as well. So shout out to Derek White and his change of shoes and his decision making right there of changing his shoes. And speaking of which, we are going to Toronto. Uh, we are going to Toronto. Um, this one, um, Tatum didn't play. Porzingis didn't play. Al Hofford didn't play since he don't play back-to-back. Jalen Brown returned to the lineup. Well, it was a, I believe, a 13, 15-point lead heading into the fourth quarter. And then when Jalen Brown got on the bench, the Raptors started making their run an 18-3-1 in the fourth quarter. Um, they led 104-102. to And then, you know, it's just been a couple of shots and then just the real conspiracies with the referees and the real free throw shooting at the end. But anyways, the Celtics won 120 to 118. Thanks in large part to Jalen Brown and Chris's favorite player on the Celtics, Luke Cornett, though. So, Chris, what's your takeaways against uh, for against the Raptors uh, for the Boston Celtics in their victory? Um. Luke Cornett was the most clutch player for the Boston Celtics against the Toronto Raptors. That's that's my main takeaway here. Uh, 20 points, 8 boards, 3 assists, 3 blocks, 9 for 11. And, and like, the biggest thing is I remember having this conversation with Matt a few years ago. And, and like, yes. a lot of people, they, they like, dude, you, you, why are you trolling about Luke Cornett? Um, like, the cool thing about the NBA is you do not have to be a superstar to have an amazing journey and career. And, and like a lot of people discount some of these guys, even though these guys wake up every day, get to the gym to make themselves the best possible pro that they can be. And what we see with Lou Cornett in, in his third year with the Celtics, uh, finally settling into what he can be, which is, a guy who can come in, he can give you a spot start, he can give you 12 mm -hmm. to 15 quality minutes, and the cool thing is is he's not necessarily going to hurt your team because he's now a professional role player. He's going to know what his job is, and he's going to give you 100% all the time. And, like, what's really cool about this Celtics team in this Toronto Raptors game 
is everybody did that. Sam Hauser did that. Like he hit a couple, he wasn't hitting anything in the beginning, but he started like he hit one major three. I think it was in the end of the third. Uh, Derek White, who you just asked, was he clutch? Couldn't hit the broad side of the barn that game, but he played the mm-hmm. most doggy defense. I don't think he left the court for like the last nine minutes or 50 seconds. Uh, Drew Holiday, outstanding perimeter rotation and defense, really disrupted a couple of runs by himself. And then like some of the guys you don't really talk about or see, like O'Shea Brissett, uh, who, who's getting a little bit of get back, you know, from his former team. And, and, like, all of that stuff kind of matters because it shows a different, I think, grit that the Celtics didn't have, or at least weren't perceived to have when they lost to Miami or they lost to Golden State because they were viewed kind of soft. Here they are without their main star. Their second star steps up and delivers. But, like, nobody else is really a known quantity, but they came together collectively and stopped the collapse, which, by the way, a lot harder to do than to come back and win. Facts right there. Um, Matt, what's your takeaways uh, with the Boston Celtics victory against Toronto? Um, Another game I thought they were going to lose. I was pretty sure that if this game was any other time uh, than this in this year, they would have lost, you know, and uh, another close, another close one uh, without Jason Tatum, but, you know, Jalen Brown, 31, 10 and six, you know, Derek White, 21, 5, 7, 3, and 2. He just, uh, Derek White kind of filled up the stat sheet right there. He was just all over the place. You know, Luke Cornett uh, was probably my favorite player, you know, um, in this game because um, I, for the past few years, Chris has been talking about Luke Cornett, and I have just been saying, uh, yeah, okay, buddy, like he's not going to be here that long. You know, yeah, okay, we're going to get someone else. And then, lo and behold, you know, Luke Cornett is still here in a Celtic uniform, but last season, what I realized about Luke, he does know or is beginning to understand a lot better who he is as a role player. And he's continuing to, he's continuously carving out uh, space for himself on this team where you have to play him because he plays smart. And that's what I think I love about him the most. He plays actually very smart. Um, he rebounds well, you know, um, he's going to commit on defense. You know, he's got this famous block shot from from six feet away that he's going to put his hands up and run at you, you know, and hell, you don't know what it could do. It could, it could, ruffle, some, it could ruffle you a little bit if you missed the, you missed the shot. But he's got this thing that he does, and it's consistent, but he gives effort like on both ends of the floor, and he never does too much. He does just enough where it helps the team. So I'm actually more of a fan of Luke Cornett now than anything. You know, I think he's very stable. 20 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists. Those are starters numbers, first of all. But he And he, and he delivered in that starting lineup. So um, it was great. He also had 3 blocks. So he's playing on both ends of the floor. Um, I actually really like Luke, and I'm happy that he's on this team because when you're looking for stability from a big when something happens and it's going to be those games, you look at Luke and I'm like, oh, I know exactly what he can do. He knows what he can do. So, um, yeah, it was a good close game that they could have lost any other time. Shout out to Luke Cornett. He just came back um, from injury too as well. So every Celtic fan, I know you're out there on X, please put the trade Luke Cornett rumors to sleep. Okay? 
like night night because he's staying with the Celtics. He's staying with the Celtics. So, but so the last <laughs> the last game. So Victor Wimbayama's debut against the Boston Celtics. Here. Um, so Boston Celtics won one thirty four to one oh one. Celtics decided to go with a big lineup since Drew Holiday was out with an injury. So they decided to put their weight at the one. Jalen Brown slides down to the two. Jason Tatum slides down to the three. Al Horford is the four, and Porzingis is the five. Um, Chris, what's your takeaways with Boston's victory against the San Antonio Spurs, and what you think of how impressive was Victor Wembanyama against the Celtics? It was a horrible game to watch. Um, a lot of that just has to do with the San Antonio Spurs not being good. Uh, but in 24 minutes, Victor Wimbanyama put up 21 points on it for 8 for 16 shooting. Um, the guy's, he, he's, he's a legit talent. And, and the argument that I had is when we reflect and compare some of these players, a lot of people do it without, um, without like really being able to detail how they're comparing them. And when I went and I looked back in the history of the NBA, there are only a handful of people, regardless of their position, who had this type of impact in their rookie year. And like, the scary thing is, is when I'm done talking with some of these reporters, uh, and, and some of these players, San Antonio is really allowing him to freestyle. Like they're not pegging him in as a five or a four. Like you hear players saying he's got to figure out, does he want to be a Kevin Durant scoring wing? Does he want to be a multifaceted post player? who can also stretch to four like Joel? Does he want to be a running forward like Giannis? And the answer is yes to all of the above because mm-hmm. he's 19 and he's doing this in 24 minutes. And, and like, it, it's just, it's an amazing thing to watch. So like the next time you have the ability as a Celtics fan, because this is the Celtics rewind. And I know the listeners are Celtics fans. Hey, take a night and just watch the kid play. It's it's worth it's worth the time. Uh, it, once he comes up to Boston, beg, borrow, and do not steal because I can't I can't vouch for anything illegal. Uh, but get there, get to the garden so you can see this young man live because uh, this is someone you're not gonna want to miss. And and hopefully, uh, those 24 minutes were good for you, and then you switch the game because it was ugly. <laughs> It was. It was. Um, when you talk about that San Antonio game, um, it was one that I actually did not watch too much of it uh, because it was boring, uh, which is what I expected. But I've watched a lot of Wimby all season, and when you when you specifically talk about him, you know, and all the guys that Chris just named, he's going to be able to do all of that, you know. And it's going to be a game-to-game basis, which what what do I need to do right now? And he's going to be able to go to that bag. And that is scary because a lot of guys, they have the specific thing they can do, you know, but they can't do, you know, everyone, uh, KD is not Giannis. Giannis is not KD. You know, it's, it's just you go down the line, you know, and he's going to be able to do probably what both of those guys can do. And that is insane. 
you know. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing him in year three and four because when they really start, he really starts to get it and that team really starts to, you know, pick up and guys start to develop. You're just waiting for development at this point, you know, and then maybe a couple of vets and they're going to be fun. Yeah, San Antonio is going to be right back in it. But it was just one of those games. Boston figured it out. Young team, they, they, you know, San Antonio's a young team. They have not won a lot of games. They're not even double-digit wins. They're just young, and they're figuring it out. But um, a couple years, you know, here they come. Uh, facts right there. Um, Porzingis struggle offensively. Uh, Jason Tatum, 25 points, six rebounds, two assists, two blocks, uh, hitting five three-point shots. The Jalen Brown show with 24 points, 16 points in the third quarter. Um, nice quitter block in the fourth quarter, so shout-out to Quetta right there. And then shout-out to Meta War Peace. Wimby's not Will Chamberlain. I'm sorry, Meta. He is not Will Chamberlain, but he is a phenomenal talent right there. So please do not compare him to Will Chamberlain, okay? So um, Boston with 5-0, uh, 26-6 record, the best record in the league. Uh, so the next couple games um, that the Celtics have, uh, they have the Oklahoma City Thunder tonight at the Thunder. Then they go up against the Jazz on uh, this Friday. Then they have the Indiana Pacers at Indiana uh, Saturday back-to-back, and then also face them on Monday. And then they got Minnesota, too, as well next week. So, Chris, um, I know what game you're probably going to be looking forward to and everything. So how do you think the Celtics is going to turn out the next couple games, in your opinion? Um, I I tell you, I, I Oklahoma City is a challenge. I, I it, to keep up with SGA and and company is a, a, an awful ask right now. Um, more importantly, because they're also really figuring out their team defense dynamics. It's it's getting really scary. Um, if Lou Dort was six seven, um, we would be having a completely different conversation. Uh, people be viewing him like OG Ananubi, uh, who was just recently traded to New York. Um, mm-hmm. You got Utah coming up, and then you have Indiana on a back-to-back. And, like, what I found really interesting is when I look at this this matchup, this is a very classic, hey, if I need a sneaky move to pick up a guy uh, because I don't think my number eight or number nine is is doing it, there's a couple of guys on both of these teams that I think actually might fit in Boston. Uh, so I think this is actually, you know, a good scouting type mission coming up close mm-hmm. to the trade deadline in over six weeks. Um, Isaiah Jackson from Indiana, if they happen to move on because they don't want to give him a lucrative extension, would be a great buy low uh, candidate to to give you another athletic big who who will probably end up replacing Quaita, uh, and and give you the extra you know athletic dy- dynamism at the power forward position. Then although I like O'Shea Brissett, he's just a tweener um, who, who's mm-hmm. better adapted at playing a you know a, a small ball four as opposed to yeah. a real true four. Uh, but then also like your backup point guard position, like I I like Peyton Pritchard. I don't think he's necessarily it i think he's more of a combo um and so there are times when Derek white isn't hitting drew isn't hitting and tatum has to sit out and you're looking at pritchard and all i'm seeing is is him really only being able to do one or two things on offense and again back to the biggest fear 
Uh, I, I just don't see that as sustainable in the playoffs. So uh, you look at Indiana, and, and a lot of people early in the year were saying, like, T.J. McConnell, uh, but, like, that, that shit might have been sailed by the amount of time he's uh, being given by Rick Carlisle, but they had a wing who actually asked for a trade who fits into the idea of what Joe Mazzul wants to do, and his buddy Hugh. Um, and I tell you, sometimes, you, you know, you, you overthink it, if you're looking for that, like, he might be available to Isaiah Jackson. You might be able to get a legit eight-man, almost unbeatable rotation come playoff times in the East. So uh, I like it. The The biggest fear that I have is injury. Uh, the Indiana Pacers are going to run. They're going to, like, that's just what they do. And then you've got Minnesota and Milwaukee coming up. And after a back-to-back of running at that pace, you're going to have tired legs. Uh, tired legs, you know, make mistakes, mistakes make injuries. Uh, so I'm hoping after the Indiana back-to-back, uh, they really do take it easy with Minnesota, make it even maybe a scheduled L, uh, and then focus on Milwaukee. Because going into the second half of the season, let's beat the teams that are at the top so you you give yourself that pure, you know, first seed advantage. And when everybody comes through, they know uh, that the East is going through Boston. So what I'm looking for and the next five games is a is a four and one record. You do that, you set yourself up uh, for easy sailing for the second half of the season. Comes past trade deadline. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with that, Chris. Um, this is a good time, you know, where you're seeing what's out there and what Boston, you know, you know, what player can help the team. Uh, my biggest fear with this team. Uh, is injury absolutely Chris stops for Zingas means so much to what Boston does now you you you're not gonna survive if you don't have him you can you can forget it I'm letting you know that right now if Christoph Porzingis cannot play through the playoffs and, and and get you to the finals and you don't have him you're not winning you're not gonna do it I'm telling you that right now um, no false hope. Let it go. You know, there is a but, but if we do, no, there's nothing you could do. You're going to lose. Um, but that is a problem nonetheless, because you don't have much depth after that. You know, um, Peyton Pritchard's not going to do it for you. You know, uh, he has good stretches, but he's a guy that he's streaky and you can't ask him to do too much like hey go get a bucket he's not that kind of guy it's if he's in the flow and if it happens it happens but he's not the kind of guy that can change that pace for you and that's what boston needs a guard off the bench that can change that pace i know when this guy comes in he's about to go on an eight point uh uh scoring uh, rampage right now eight points straight right now we don't have that we have to rely on those starters. So Boston, and I know Brad is looking, and he's looking, and he's looking. And I know there's a couple players that he really likes, but there's something has to happen because there's, it's not that they can't sustain this in the playoffs. You know, there's going to come become a time where Derek White is going to go cold, and all of a sudden he's not everybody's favorite because he, you know, he's streaky now. <laughs> and then you're looking at Peyton Pritchard, and then that's it. You know. And then you're going to lose that game. And then you might lose that series because you didn't have another person to go to. So when it comes to Boston, I also look at um, 
in Utah. Utah has a, a couple guys that, you know, I'm not, I don't know if they can afford it. They have to get really creative, you know, but I love the idea of Kelly Olenek coming back home, you know, to Boston. He also fits in what Joe Missoula likes to do. He's a stretch big. You know, he loves to shoot that three, and he's actually good at it. And uh, he gives great effort on on the defensive end. And um, I think he's he's very familiar, uh, obviously, with this team being drafted here. Um, and I do like Buddy Heels as well. I just I don't know if they can get it done because of his contract. And, um, yeah, that that's what I'm looking at. But it, something has to happen. Uh, Alex Caruso is another name that everyone – you know, throws around, and and I would love that. I think that he is good, but change of but a change of pace guard that can just score at will. That at will score is something that they need. If they can just do those, those get those two guys, then this team there's no reason, you know, why they can't uh, make it as far as they can go, which is should be the finals, you know. But on this stretch, I think that they'll go three and two. I see two losses, possibly three. Um, and that's just because Milwaukee, they might lose that game. Milwaukee are tryhards right now because I don't think that they're going to go very far, but they want you to believe that they are. <laughs> they're going to try very, very hard to win that game. They're going to do everything they can. They can't stop a parked car. And it's almost it's it's almost laughable. It it's, it's actually hurts me that they're so bad at defense. But that game, all of a sudden, everyone's going to hit 60% from three. They're going to lose that game, you know, and that's okay. And, you know, um, they'll give them false hope, and, and then we can go back and forth with their fans. But they're going to lose. I think they're going to lose that game in, in, a, in a couple more. But other than that, I think that they'll, as long as they get through with no injuries, then they'll come out of it, and they'll go on another run, create, uh, keep separation, you know, and then create more separation for a couple other teams. And there you have it. Um, and like tonight, you know, they are down 18 points to the Oklahoma City uh, Thunders, 108 to 90. They are not winning this game. You know, I didn't think they would. Um, but again, Kristaps Porzingis, 27 points, nine rebounds, two assists, three blocks. And the next closest is Jason Tatum with 22, 10, and four. Kristaps is such a big part of what they do. He is important. So his health uh, means means a hell of a lot. Yeah, that is true right there. Um, January for the Celtics is going to be really tough based on the schedule because it's a pretty tough schedule this month for the Boston Celtics, though. Um, the next stretch of games, yeah, I, I, I kind of – feel like they're gonna they're gonna lose to the Thunder. They're probably gonna win against the Jazz. They might win one of two games against the Pacers. Minnesota, I don't really know yet. They probably won't revenge against Minnesota the Minnesota beat them thanks to Effie Elwes just going Superman crazy in overtime. And uh against Milwaukee, I mean shoot, I mean it could be a game that Milwaukee might win. But, you know, we'll just have to see what happens. But, yeah, like Nat said, it's all about the injuries, and hopefully everybody just stays healthy. So, But, uh, Chris, we want to thank you for hopping on to Celtics Rewind. We really appreciate you and your dope basketball knowledge. Um, 
You have your show every single morning at 10 a.m. on Playback. Really dope show. Talk all things NBA, women's basketball, men's basketball. It's just a great show. Y'all need to download, watch Playback, and uh, go into the Who's Faces room and definitely listen in. And then you also can give your takes, too, as well as NBA fans. You got any other upcoming projects uh, that you want to share with us, Chris? Uh, yeah, I've, I've got one uh, that I'm working on with a startup social media company. I, I got more info with that coming out. Uh, getting a, a good amount of creators I've been working with, uh, like you two, you know, over the course of the years, I'm, I'm trying to build a uh, a profitable, you know, system for each individual independent creator. Because uh, for those who are listening, like we, we do this out of passion uh, for uh, a sport that we all love um and and the game and the idea is to be able to grow and be you know better than what we were the day before so like I, i've been fortunate i've been successful and i've also failed uh and i've learned from all of that to try to put together you know the next wave of creators uh covering the nba so uh i'll, I'll have more about that hopefully by uh, the end of this week and i'll be live on the show next week uh, to actually talk about it more in detail about what we have planned for the future. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Matt, you got any upcoming projects too, as well? You want to share too, as well? And definitely promote your show as well. And yeah. you're always on Celtics Rewind, as always, talking all things Boston Celtics. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you guys know, you can catch me every week, Celtics Rewind. Uh, my bad, JP. Um, talking all things, you know, Celtics. Um, I do this for the love of it. You know, um, love talking hoops. It, it's, I love building community, being in community, and just hearing the different takes. You know, I've learned a lot, um, especially from Chris. You know, knowing him the past three, three, four years. Jesus, Chris, we just we just tapping it on him, man. Um, but it's it's just been a great journey, you know, and I and I've grown a lot, you know, as a as a creator, you know, just being in these spaces and you know knowing you guys and everything like that. Um, but you can catch me on the three P podcast, you know, and that is every Monday and we will go live at 7 PM live on YouTube. Uh, so you can catch me and my dad Jones in for sports, you know, and we'll be back, uh, this upcoming Monday, you know, and I'm always down to, uh, collab with anyone, you know, um, and especially if you align with a lot of the, you know, the same sports I like, you know, and you know, whatever we can do, I love to collab. I love to, to build, you know, that, that's just my thing. And, um, you know, also I'm into, you know, the NFL, you know, sports betting, all that stuff. So, um, yeah, that's, that's how you can catch me. And just follow me on uh, Twitter, uh, Nat underscore the underscore GM. And I'll catch y'all later. Amen to that. Um, and you can find me on my YouTube channel. It's just JP. You can find me on TikTok. It's just JP too as well. Uh, just doing NBA content. I just started diving into a little bit on soccer, and that's been going pretty well on YouTube on my channel. So you can uh check me out on those two platforms. This is episode ten of the Celtics Rewind 2024s off to a great start for Boston. So. This is JP, the franchise. She's not the GM. That's Chris from Who Spaces. And we'll see y'all later. Peace, y'all.